Hi, it's Sean Kim, cinematographer of Ozark's final season, and this is the Go Creative Show. Hello and welcome to the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today we speak with Sean Kim, director of photography of Ozark season four. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I am very excited to have you. I think we reached out to you the first time for kidding, and it ended up just All not right. working out for yeah, scheduling, yeah. but I loved that show. And I mean, yeah. Ozark, we've covered every single season of Ozark, so we are oh, cool. we are Ozark believers here, and I, I'm very excited to, to talk to you yeah. about this new season. But before we get there, I just want to mention our sponsor for today, Filmmakers Academy. Master your craft at filmmakersacademy.com. We'll be hearing more from them later in the episode. And I also want to encourage you to follow us on your favorite podcast app, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, where you can not only hear the show, but see the show. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. So, Sean, before we started rolling, you were just telling me, like, you are, after such a long period with Ozark, you're kind of at a point right now where you're turning down some work, enjoying yeah, some know, relaxation. Like, where are you at? Yeah, so, you know, Ozark took me to Atlanta for, like, better part of 13 months. And wow. it was great because, you know, my girlfriend's a DP. You know, she's shooting American Horror Stories right now. And What's her name? She, got to, she has to spawn. And so she, she got to come out and visit a bunch. I had my dogs out there. I had my son out there for the first six months. Because it was still pandemic, and I mean it's still pandemic now, but it was it was during lockdown, and they were remote learning, and that that's a large part of why I agreed to this length of a project, and so intense. Um, I'm never going to be able to have my kid on location for months at a time. I mean, I'd still yeah. be somewhat responsible <laughs> a parent. Uh, so that was you know that was a, a deciding factor in me saying yeah. So there's so many. You know, I was kind of worried about how it was going to go down there with the challenges of COVID. And we were, I don't know, I don't think we were one of the first ones back, but it was definitely one of the, one of the earlier major productions back and everyone was still trying to figure it out. You know, up, up until then, during COVID, we had started some remote shooting, you know, with commercials and things like that. But, you know, started hearing, like my girlfriend got a call to do the um I got a call to do Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and that went early because it was filming in uh, Vancouver. I think a lot of Vancouver stuff started filming earlier. And then, you know, the Atlanta stuff, New York stuff started opening up. Uh, so I guess they took a shot and went for it. I think we started, I went out there in September of, uh, I don't, yeah, I can't even, I don't even picture the year. Is that 2020? <laughs> I that, know. Yeah, I guess it's 2020. It doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> like every so memory, I have to add like a year and a half for that gap of, uh, <laughs> I'm with or you 100. percent So you did a lot of uh, virtual stuff, or maybe not a lot, but you were well, sort of dabbling in the virtual stuff it, during that it, time. It was because everyone was kind of sitting around and and you know yeah. really freaking out and like no productions for sure. The big narrative shows were all shut down. You know, one act, and then I think I think it was like maybe March, mid March of 2020. It was like the last production to shut down, and for about a month, month and a half, everyone's trying to figure out what to do. And then you know some of the my old clients in the advertising world started kind of poking around saying, can we do something? And so we, you know, I work with Michelle Gondry a lot on, mm -hmm. on commercials, especially. And he had a couple of big, you know, Facebook projects, uh, Amazon projects, a couple things. And they were like, can we somehow do these, you know, remote? Uh, and we kind of figured out how to, you know, drop off, not just cameras, but like lighting and, and 
you know, your, your regular basic kind of ENG type of stuff. And then, of course, with Gondry involved, it's like, can we get motion control over there? <laughs> like, hmm, I, don't, I don't know. But we got pretty pretty up to it. And, you know, we, I got to hire, I got to get some of my crew, you know, back working. A lot of the, a lot of the, some productions were starting to do remote stuff where they're like, oh, we don't even need a DP. We just get the director to, like, just do FaceTime commercials. And it was so lame. But yeah, yeah. But, we were doing like scenes at actors' houses and things, and you know, it was uh, it got it got pretty complex, and it was it was I was kind of proud of like getting like a pretty big production off the ground, it was like a seven day shoot with the full quote unquote crew. You know, my keys were on, kind of talking through the actor to like that's how you would set a C stand, and this so that you know all the unions were involved. It was you know it was kind of kind of felt like everything was going to be okay. You know? Yeah. No, I um, we we did a ton of remote work. Commercial yeah. work um, yeah. here in Boston is where I am. So I'm a commercial yeah. director and we do a bunch of that. Yeah. But it was like once some once anybody caught wind that it could be done, there was a lot of demand for it. But my God, it already kind of is when you look back at the projects from that time. But it, there's there's a look to the kind of pandemic filmmaking. <laughs> there really there really is. One step up from that really was, um, you know, I had gotten calls to just, you know, they were just everyone's so desperate that they were doing they're like, can you set up a tabletop setup at your living room? And I and we oh, did God, with a yeah. giant softbox and everything. And you know, I shoot a lot of product, and we ended up shooting a bunch of product, and that stuff looked like normal because <laughs> yeah. you know, all small. But um, slowly but surely, that started going, and then you started hearing some scripts coming in, some projects coming in, and 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 Ozark was definitely you know one of the first ones that came up on the radar. A number of projects had come up, but nothing really great that I was you know I, I was like that's gonna be a mess uh i'll use that yeah. word but but you know ozark being ozark you know and all the people involved um that got my attention and, and i was kind of going back and forth and when i found out my son could come and all these other things and it just it's just hard to turn down the final season of ozark and you know i had a conversation with jv just jason bateman who that's the kind of kidding connection he was an executive producer on kidding so i think there's oh, a little no bit of connection yeah it, it, it was one of those, I think he had signed an earlier deal or something, but he ended up, you know, him and his producing partner were, were part of Kidding. So he had kind of, you know, known about, about that production and, and such. So they kind of reached out and, you know, it was, it just, the more I heard about it, I mean, I knew about it from the business, but I mean, I mean, talk about, talk about a filmmaker show. I mean, why do you say that? Jay, well, Jason, really kind of took the reins as you know towards the vision of the show from the pilot and all throughout and he is absolutely involved in every aspect of the show and the first really? thing he told me was you know if you ever need any help you know if you ever need some a producer's help you know you have an ep right here right in front of you all the time you know and it was he, he kind of he really kind of lived up to that you know anytime there was an issue you just you know bring it up to him and he would he'd magically just get it done in the studio and like, oh here's all this stuff but but you know the way the way that you know Ben Kutchins and Armando Salas and all the other DPs that were involved you know from the beginning had kind of set it up was you know the the look is such an important integral part of the show as as, as most people most fans know is that you know that that cyan you know the, that cool yeah. vibe to it and the thing that I loved the most was really. That pilot episode really hit me really hard. It was it, it looked like noir, like modern neo noir filmmaking, and just that high, 
ratio contrast. And I think I think they got a lot of flack for it being too dark. Oh, they in the certainly beginning. did. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even on this show, I like because well, we oh, get yeah. questions from our audience prior to the interviews, and it's like yeah. I remember that first season when it came out. We so many people were like, "Oh, I can't even see it. I can't yeah. see faces on yeah. my screen." And it's weird yeah. to me that it got pushback because it was like, but I mean, that's everybody. I mean, especially at you yeah. know five years ago or so. Everybody really loved that dark cinematography look. Like oh, that yeah. was really appealing then. Certainly, still is now. But it was weird that there was something about that show that people uh, had a visceral reaction to the color choices and the exposure right. choices yeah. in a way that I really haven't heard with anything else that we've covered on the show. Yeah, I mean, and it's like if people will compare it to like you know maybe that first pilot to like that night episode in, in Game of Thrones, and I'm like, well, that was literally just black too. Now, everything's <laughs> awesome, but. It's, I loved, I loved it too, but you know, I, I get, I kind of maybe get that, but Ozark is such a specific, you know, yeah. genre. It's, I know it's very popular, but it's, it's about money laundering set in, you know, Ozark, Missouri, <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of scary people. Like it's supposed to be dark. So when <laughs> yeah. I, in my initial conversation with, with JV, you know, I was like, I'm a huge fan of that. And I know that they've, you know, that it expanded uh, the look for sure. Yeah. and gotten more craft and a little more light and, you know, it, especially season three was a kind of a big lift and I, I loved it. So the challenge was how do you take that and bring something that I liked texture and, and density and darkness. And so then I went up to JB and said, look, I, I, my idea, you know, I gave him a, I came up with a lookbook. Not that, I mean, you're continuing a look, but you, you need to develop, you know, um, develop it. You need to develop obviously. over time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially when you're closing out such a beloved show like this, this is the final season, you know, and we knew that and we knew it was gonna be two parts. And so how, you know, do you do you close it out to develop from season three to, to the final season? And then even within the final season, there's a there is a hopefully people notice, but there's a you know, vis, a visual arc that, that kind of goes through it, even with the depth of field or you know, lighting ratios and whatnot. And so you know, what I had wanted was you know, I, I spoke when I was speaking to JB. I said, I, I, not that I want to bring the look of the pilot back, but kind of harp, bringing it back full circle because a lot of the episodes have these flashbacks, especially in the second half. There's flashbacks to the first episode, so you know, kind of as we get closer to the end. So I was like, let's have this as as a motif, and you know, I want to, you know, ring true to some of the stuff that was, you know. Uh, Started, that started out in that in that first episode, and I, you know, I was like, it's more like a you know, modern neo noir uh, kind of back to that vibe. And he was like, tell me a little bit more about that. What do you mean, like how dark? Well, it's not darker. It's just you know, density in black, you know, and and color contrast, and just a little bit more separation and flesh tones being a little bit more than just silver as they were before. Whereas I loved it. The show kind of had a more of a little bit more of a monochromatic look to it, which, you know, definitely we, we kept, but you just lift certain areas up just a little bit, a little different so that there is a reference to the first three seasons. But now we are, you know, in this trajectory where things are coming to a head. And as most people could guess towards the very end, everything just collides, you know, so just kind of setting up a little bit of maybe visual uneasiness at times, you know, there, and there were, it's a very shallow focus show as well, but you know, in the first part of it, it was you know I had pushed it using these Noctilux point f.95 lenses that are, and I don't know how the first 
you know, the focus puller, Liam Sinnott. So one of the best. What, what was business. it called? Uh, I want to do a quick search. The, 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 it's, it's the it's the Leica Noctilux. It's a, it's a it's a legendary still stills lens, which you know it opens up to a, a T point nine five. Not quite Barry Lyndon wow. level, but it's pretty crazy. And on medium format, on large format chips, which they went to in the third season to the Venice chips, it's it's pretty pretty intense, pretty amazing. So these were rehoused ones. You know, they had been they had a set from season three um, of rehoused Leica R's, including the Noctilux added to that. And they basically the show basically uses, I mean, three lenses. It's the 50 mil Noctilux, the 35 millimeter Leica R, and the 80 millimeter Leica R. Those are the sum, the other two, the 35 and the 80 are the Sumaluxes. You know, the ones that go to 1.4. So those yeah. three have a very distinct look. And but the, a lot of the show, the majority of the show is filmed. Either on the yeah, 35 50. or the 50, but the 50, at t- there's weeks that go by that it's just it's just super glued to the camera. You know, like we never change. You, you know, and I, 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 I love movies like I love movies that like a Michael Clayton that's all 50 millimeter lenses. You, you, you know, it, it gives the, the viewer a sense of place, you know psychologically, I, I think, in, in, within the visual narrative there. So, Well, what, talk to me a little bit more about that. What does a 50 millimeter do for a story like yours? Like what, what, well, I, I, just aesthetically, it looks great, yeah, obviously. I, I, but I think, what, what does it do as a viewer? How does, yeah. how does, how do viewers interpret a 50? It, and also, by it, the way, I'm going to put a link to this in the show yeah, notes, the, the, yeah. the lens, so you guys can check yeah. it out on our website. But yeah. my God, an F0.95. Well, well, yeah, before we get to that, like there's, there's very, very few of these Noctiluxes left in existence. And, and to find a clean example of not just that, but a, a full set of Leica R's, you know, because I, we need, I needed more than one set, you know, because uh, we use multiple cameras on the show. We're a single camera at a time show, but a lot of times we'll pre-rig or pre-set up or have a second unit go off and do something. Um, yeah. So I needed another set made. So I, I called Antoine up at Cine Optics in London. And I said, look, I, I need a set. I'm going to get in trouble here, but I need a set of these as soon as possible. And this is right when I signed on, I said, like, you got six weeks. Do you think you can do it? And he's like, no, but I'm going to give it a shot. And he, <laughs> and the mf did it. He did it. He got it done in six weeks. I don't know how. And it's one of the most beautiful sets. I will, I'll never part with it, but it, it, you know, it, it was special. So thank you, Antoine from Synoptics again. And the guys at TLS, they, they knocked it out of the park. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> But anyway, so going back to the, the focal length. Well, yeah, I, we were talking about with, like what does yeah. a fifty? So, how does a how does a fifty millimeter translate yeah. to the viewer? What what does to, it, to me? What does it mean? Yeah, to me, a fifty millimeter in the days of thirty five millimeter film in in that you know image size, uh, a fifty millimeter was a little bit longer than what was no, normally considered you know normal human field of view, which was in the thirties. You know, in my opinion, like a thirty two millimeter in the thirty five millimeter chip size, you know, film gate size, um, correlated to that. But with these larger format chips, a 50 becomes a bit more like a 38 mil, 40 mil, you know, so it comes closer to your standard human field of vision, uh, where you can present a wide scene as if you're there, you know, standing there in person. But what really is the power of these lenses, especially with the, you know, the, the close focus ability, but also the, the hyper shallow depth of field is once you start getting close to subject, it gets claustrophobic and you don't even know where to focus because there's one eyelash in focus. And it really, really directs the, the viewer's 
eye to what you kind of want to see, but there's also so much extra texture around. And, and within a scene, that's really kind of builds, you know, visual character in that it's, it's truthful to the scene where, you know, whatever it may be, Marty is, is, is really, really stuck in between a rock and a hard place and he has decisions to make. So you can see what's kind of going on in the background and blobbery, but it's the focus is really there and it really makes you feel, and it's not just like using a telephoto lens or a tight lens and getting that shot just this close. It's something to have, it's something different to have a, a slightly wider lens, like a 50 being that close and that yeah. claustrophobic and you're, you can, you think you can almost see breath, you know, you can see. It's like, it's less, anxiety. it's almost less about the foreground and more about the background. It, what, what those almost. It's, do. It's, it's, it is, it is, it is. You're absolutely getting the viewer within a depth, you know, on the Z axis, you know, you're inviting them to explore depth within the space and hopefully within the character, obviously. Um, and, and then, and then sometimes we would just move without correcting for focus. And then you would be straining, You'd, you know, the viewer would be straining to, to kind of stay with it for a second. You know, there's, there's a great shot. It's, and again, Liam probably hates me for saying this because to him, it was messed up, but there's a great, it's the end of um, episode seven when Ruth is in the truck and she, and, and she's, you know, she's driving. It's the last shot of the, of the episode. And, and she belts out this, and it just cuts out. But that was take one. That was the, that was the, that was re-rolled on the rehearsal. And, you know, she's sitting there and the camera's moving in and it's a F1 on a slider that's moving into the subject. And oh my God. And then she, she just takes a pause. And as Julia does, and she's an amazing, um, just a sight to behold, just witnessing just this explosion of, you know, creativity, you know, brave bravado uh, jumps into the ether with her acting. So she just kind of leans back and it goes way out of focus for a second. And then as we're getting closer, try to catch up, she just bolts forward and, you know, explodes. And it just, you know, yeah, technically it's a mistake, but it is just perfect. But those type of, that type of lens really lets you fall into a, a beautiful mistake. <laughs> I love that. And I'm guessing Yeah, and I and he's like, we're doing that again, right? I'm like, yeah, we're gonna do it like seven more times, but you know they're using that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's just like oh. I'm like, don't worry, they're gonna think it's genius. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> I mean he did it on purpose. He totally just, did it on purpose. Totally did it on purpose. Sorry. Can you kind of tell when a shot like can you try to kind of tell which one is going to be used at certain moments? Oh yeah, oh, for sure. But there's, there's there's a lot of moments like that where you you, know, you get you get a certain sense, it, and a lot of times it's not magic. It's just well, that's kind of the best the, the best range that we got, and you kind of kind of tell. But there are moments where you're rolling a take, especially on a set like this, where where the acting is so insanely dynamic and complementary, and they'll get into a, a you know a visual fist fight, not not an actual fist fight, but just it's. So you can kind of feel it coming and then, and then you just get the hairs kind of stand up on your neck and you're like, Ooh, this is, this is like a, this is one of those magic takes and then ensure. And, and you hope they use it and they, and, and on other shows, other projects, other films, you know, you kind of just, you're at their mercy. And, but this, this show obviously has some of the best editors in the world. And I'm like, I have no qualm. I have no concern that they're going to, they're going to use, you know, the right one. So that's what, I mean, and the level of, and that actually, that, that leads to a, a, such a high level of technical execution 
on on part of the crew that's been there for since the beginning. Uh, and I've I've worked with a lot of these guys on other projects in the in the past. I've known Liam since I started the business, and you know Edison Jackson, the gaffer, the amazing. Uh, I've worked with them on some commercials, um, and you know it's in Land- Landon the the key grip. You know this is a insanely grip heavy show where. I don't, and this is again going back to like this perfect setup for filmmakers. They just had it set up where, and I kind of took it over the edge, maybe where all the exteriors. There's no sun. There's no sun in Ozark. You know, there's there's never brightness in Ozark. We blank. We just cover the area with multiple thirty by thirty lulls and condors. Just black it out, and then relight from underneath and to, to reintroduce. You know what we want out of it. And I'm, I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this on a television show. And it's, things are scheduled around that, you know, and it's, it's a, it is a cinematographer's dream where they're just, you know, they're like, not exactly, not all the time. Some, a lot of times you have to, you know, you have to willingly concede so that you can get more scenes, you know, that make more, more shots that make a scene better than as opposed to one beautiful shot, you know. Um, there's a balance in between there that needs to be You're saying that the cinematographer's dream part of it is being given the time to do that type of yeah, stuff? Is that yeah, it? and, and yeah. it's, it's the, the pressure to take as much time as you really need to craft every shot. And, I mean, it's, it's the, the amount of, you know, it's a TV show, so you're still on, 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 time, on a time budget and a, budget and a monetary fiscal budget as well, but not once did I feel cramped by any of those normal wow that's amazing it was it, it was to the point where if you went a little too fast you fuck everything up <laughs> <laughs> so you know you kind of not that you're slowing down but you you really take your time and you just kind of sit and pause and it gives you that that moment where you're not panic rushing to get things done of course there are times that it happens you're shooting in you know georgia you know through four technically five seasons <laughs> of, of weather and in the summertime, you get lightning delays that just shut you down for the whole day or hours at a time. And you got to make that up. So, of course, there's, you know, and it's a location heavy show. So there, there are the normal challenges of, of filmmaking and also TV schedules, but really, really didn't feel it very much on this at all. And it, it was a, a blessing. I want to dive a little bit deeper into your lighting techniques for our daytime exteriors. You had mentioned in in, in, um, in Ozark, you had mentioned just a few minutes ago that you took the time to block out. You you said there is yeah. no sun on Ozark. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I well, mean, that's, is that, that any- that's not from that's not from me. That is that is that is continuation from what they've developed over the years. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like, but I mean, how much of an exaggeration is that? Like, are you are you truly, honestly putting up blacks up there, or are you doing silks, oh, or what is your strategy for? I don't know. I don't know the, when I'm allowed exteriors. to show this stuff. I'm talking, you know, a parking lot of a. You're motel. allowed to. T- we're, we'll keep okay. it quiet, right? right. You, you're I'll, among, maybe, you're among maybe, family. I'll send on you Go a couple, show. couple stills that just tickled me. They're just it's just hilarious. I was like, what oh yes, you? please what do send them. I mean, it's like exterior of Lazio Motel. You have two thirty by. 30, you know, solids on truss uh, that on these manipulable, manipulatable platforms called lulls. They're like petty bones. They're like great alls. Um, and they have telescoping cranes and they reach out and blot it out. And then we have upwards of four to 10 condors with 20 foot by 20 foot blacks on the perimeter, as well as black solids all around the floor. It got, wow. it got to the point where I was like, we're making this on stage in the outside 
<laughs> it it wasn't like that all the time. I mean, obviously, it depends on you know uh, the conditions. Um, sometimes it was just for light control. Sometimes it's for you know contrast. Even even when it's a dark, ex, you know, a dark, gloomy, overcast day, I get a little pushback from production. Thinking, why are we doing the same thing? Because it's there's no sun. It's, but it's it's about the feeling and the density and the, and the depth of the shadows. And when you have a, a overcast day like that in the exterior, it tends to be pretty flat and even. So then we still do use the same approach. Overall, it's to make overall the the MO is always to make the show feel like it's coming out of naturalism. It's always based in, in reality and naturalism, but it's just a very specific viewpoint. So you could, you know, you could do natural lighting, but it, it depends on your entire viewpoint, you know, where you are. Are you under a blade of grass? You know, are you over a tree looking down? So you just take advantage of that. But as opposed to moving the camera to do it, trying to move the earth to our camera. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I, I, I'm surprised to hear how much you black out because it does. Yeah. I mean, Ozark has such a natural look. It, yeah, it yeah, really yeah. looks like you're just outside. It is. It is there. There. You know, once you get into higher levels of craft, this is my philosophy. But once you get into higher levels of craft, those minute differences, there, the, the differences become less and less and smaller and smaller. But yeah. in my mind, much more critical because that is really what separates. You know good from great you know and it's 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 kind of you know this 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 ever and not never ending quest to maximize those tiny little you know differences so it's great you're so you, you want the cinematography to be invisible outside of the overall you know vibe of the show uh and the changes that you make shouldn't be noticeable in my opinion uh but but you have you, you have to do service to the script and the, the narrative of the of the project and the narrative of each episode and you, and you need to give each shot each scene each episode each season its own texture and and as a part of it because you you have you need to you, you need to give the actors and the writers that you know that the ability to to, to play in that type of you know visual playground um aside from so good aside from the deeper shadows and the more like robust blacks like you had mentioned <laughs> Does having your set blacked out, you know, for lack of a better term, does that afford you any additional like logistical benefits? Does it hundred percent? Because then we don't. Then I mean, there are a number of episodes this season, especially that really are kind of light dependent. Like it's in the scripts that like it's always high noon or whatever, um, mm. or it's all you know, and it, it absolutely lets you like being on a stage extend you know the day or or you know, manage the day better. And you could do multiple scenes in a row that take place, you know, at a very specific time of day, as opposed to constantly trying to shift and move. So in a way, there's a lot of work and setup in the beginning, but it saves you a lot of time, you know, throughout yeah. throughout the day, because you're not having to move and constantly adjust as the sun's moving, because we just black that whole thing out. <laughs> and yeah, exaggerating, it's very, very, not very often are we, really blacking up. You have to make that call in the morning and you're like, how can I, can I get away with a half dome here? You know? And then because the sun's never going to, and it's not going to, there's no white buildings across the street. That's going to bounce off of it to change the relative values in on our set. Uh, so you, you do a little bit of triage depending on the, on the schedule, you know? Uh, and then you lean on, you know, I've shot in Georgia a number of times, but not for that length of time. So you lean on the, on the guys that have been on the ground for, for three years and, and, 
what are the atmospheric changes? You know, when you once you start feeling a barometer, ooh, is this where you know the, the clouds are going to get darker? And so keeping that in mind, you know, or we'll get we'll get afternoon winds, you know, traditionally during this time. So I'm not putting up a ton of verticals that will have to come down, and then you lose what you started with because of wind. You know, it's 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 you know it's a challenging environment shooting uh, in. In Georgia, and we're, you know, a lot of the places are, are, are pretty far outside the city and pretty remote. Um, you just kind of have to make do with what, what you have set, you know, your game plan set uh, on the day. Thankfully, you know, the, the big productions so they carry almost everything. Filmmakers Academy is packed with tons of courses and all the subjects that us here at Go Creative Show want to learn about, one of which that is near and dear to my heart is commercial directing. And it's taught by Jordan Brady. And Jordan, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Anything, Yeah, something you mentioned in your course that I just love is your strategy for running your shoot days. And I know we can't, we don't have enough time to get into all of it. That's what the course is for. But can you give us a little tip uh, that you can share with our audience about how to run a successful shoot day? Sure. A real specific one that I like to teach is try not to start with the wide shot. Now, the DP and the first assistant director and the producer, they all want to start with the wide shot, like a movie. You do the wide shot, then you do the coverage. No, not in a commercial. Why? Because the wide shot barely makes the edit, but it takes all this energy and time to get going. And then the ad agency in your own mind is dissecting that wide shot for a performance that's going to be on the cutting room floor. I mean, what I just gave you right there, Ben, is gold. (laughs) And there's so much more of it Uh, in your entire course. (laughs) So check it out for yourself at filmmakersacademy.com. I want to talk about the bird's home in Mm -hmm. Ozark season four. Um, I'm always amazed by how you know, cinematographers, directors of photography, yeah. everything, art department, the whole thing, how you consistently make locations that you see all the time feel yeah. fresh and different and change with the moods of the moment. And there's an episode in particular, I, I want to say it was episode three, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. where you, th- this house is kind of known for that long hallway with the wall yeah. of glass that goes right. from the bedroom to the kitchen or living room yeah. or whatever that is. Yeah. And I think it's episode three, I want to say, where you really are using that hallway and playing with distances. And you you went down it multiple times, up it and down it, and you had characters walking along it. And yeah. it's like- it, I think it's that steady cam water, I think, back. right? It, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it, it, the way that you made that hallway look- menacing and scary right. and like like a real crossroads in these in these people's lives. And I mean we could dive into that particular thing, but the yeah. broader topic is that home. Yeah. Having to shoot in that home so many pages across so many years. And I know you're only doing season 4, but mm-hmm. the audience knows what that place looks like mm-hmm. and you have to keep it fresh. It's How are you approaching house. the bird's home? Yeah, that house is the the second you step in it, you step in it as a fan and you know every corner like you're saying. And then your immediate thought is, what am I going to do different? Like, I'm just the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I, I can't tell you how crazy this house is, how lucky they were to have it. It is one of the stars of, of, the, pro, of, of the series. Oh, yeah. It continually gives new angles and shots. And I, I'm doing shots and the camera operator is like, we've never done this. I'm like, how have you not 
done this shot. You've done every angle here. It's just, it's such a photogenic house at the angles. And it's just all randomness, kind of a mid-modern, mid-century modern, you know, lake house vibe. But it's just, there's no right angles to anything. So, and this is a very rectilinear show that you have to, you know, get all these lines really, and your vanishing points really perfect. Uh, and and this shot, this house just kept giving and giving, and it was it was I was blown away by it. But we do quite a bit of work. I mean, we we put tons of ND gel on the windows of varying degrees, you know, and we have them on panels, and we just pop them in and out. They've had that I think since season three to quickly change the levels of light coming in to the room, so that you'd have a shot where you're looking out this corner in the living room, and then and then that those those. Um, Windows will have ND6 on them or something, and then everything mm. else will either be blacked out or, you know, diffusion light being pushed into it or, you know, uh, different levels of NDs, heavier and, and lighter. And there's definitely, it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a NASCAR, NASCAR pit crew, just bolting things on, running, and it's, you know, they have the system down, you know, from three years of doing this. So it was, I was amazed at, at the efficiency of, of the crew to get this stuff implemented, but it's, you know, Sometimes, sometimes there's a shot where, you know, I look, you will look at it like we don't, it doesn't need anything. Let's just go, you know, and, and you're never, and there's a lot of some, some resistance to stuff like that. Cause people are used to, no, we, we have to, I think, we, I think we're good. And in, in being the new guy, it's a lot of pressure on it. And I'm like, I, I hope it speaks. <laughs> and, and, but you, you had to, I had to kind of, you have to kind of come in and, and, and change some of the technique a little bit. And that's, I think that's part of it that when you come in, you have a different point of view. You have, you're kind of naive and you have questions and it gets people to thinking, oh, did we do that in season one? Or, or no, we did that here. And it gets them in this, it gets everyone in a mode of finding something new. And in a house that's been shot that much, it's amazing that we did that to the very last episode, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a cool house. And they're, they're, they're very, very lucky, but difficult, difficult. It's right on the water. You know, there's, I mean, we, and it's we, a real house. Uh, I think a lot of people wouldn't even assume house. it was real because you're yeah. in it so much. I mean, we yeah, we have some things that we've cut out, but it's not when you walk in, it looks like a living, you know, a regular livable house. You know, there's no nothing gutted. You know, there there are there have been things that have been implemented that are more film friendly for sure, but nothing that you can really see because you have you can't because we shoot 360 everywhere every good planning. So, you know, and. The, you know, you have ceilings, you have all these limitations and, and it's up on a, a little bit of a hill. So to get all these lifts in, you know, because we're, we're doing the same thing. We're putting, we're blacking out the sky and, you know, blacking out entire sides of ambient light. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really tricky. The weather is being right on the lake, you know, tons of lightning shutdowns, tons of weather, you know, mm. uh, but not once did it feel challenging. It, oddly enough, it just, it just, just you just felt it was this constant organic process, and this house was a leave, living, breathing character for sure. Did not disappoint in person. <laughs> what was your camera package on Ozark? This was I continued it. I continued. I stayed the same. We had tested a number of different cameras, and uh, I, I had sent Jason over uh, a bunch of camera tests and, and lighting tests and lens tests. We we thought even so that part of the deal maybe of me maybe expanding on the look a little bit with more with lighting 
and and then we keep consistency and some technical consistency was good uh you know from jason all the way up to netflix you know so we it's the venice uh camera systems and we carry three bodies uh we'd have two main cameras and then a third as a backup and then one that could go into rialto mode which we use quite often it's this kind of tethered miniature you know scaled down brains only part of the camera that you can what is that called? Rialto? rialto rialto mode yeah it's the, it's the you can just basically take uh take apart the the regular venice and then just use the brains for uh acquisition with the lens um and so it was it was uh and we shot it's a 6k camera but we because we have the the leicas fully cover 6k um the leica r's uh, but they, we also carried a set of Leica Summicrons, which don't necessarily cover larger format. But what, if you scale down from 6K to 5.7K, it was it was all u- in the usable image area. Uh, so those are kind of like backups in case we got into a jam and I need a different focal length or a longer, you know, a different look even because they they do look a little different. Um, to be able to employ those, just to have a safety net. Uh, as kind of a comfort zone, you know, we shot, I think they started that in season three to shoot it in 5.7 K. So you have, and we also, you know, shoot with a 10% look around. So in case you need any stabilization and whatnot, but, but that larger ship definitely helps with all that. I think prior to that, they had been using Varicam. I think it was a super 35 size chip. Uh, but the, but the, but going to the Venice, I think a lot of people noticed the expansion of the look in, in season three, you know, there was, a lot more depth. There's a lot more, you know, color information. There's a lot more resolution, um, and it, it was a cleaner image. Uh, uh, things like that. So we took we took the same lenses, took the same camera packages from season three. Um, uh, maybe added a couple little specialty things here and there. You know, I, I I at the beginning of the season we employed the use of like low angle prisms so we could scrape across the floor on these little tracking shots or scrape along the wall. Um, Mm-hmm. and and things like that you know so but just a little bit of expansion on the on the um technical side in terms of camera and lenses uh but the, the changes were more again lighting ratios and color and and such um and again not noticeable i hopefully but you know little little manipulations little changes little i'm looking at that rialto mode as you're talking i mm-hmm. i had not heard of this it and for those that don't know, I put a link to it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But it looks basically like you are, you have basically like the size of a DSLR right. tethered to yeah. the, the yeah. body of the camera. There's yeah. even pictures here with the, with like um, probably an AC wearing a like a backpack right. kit with right. the with right. the camera and it, the operator with that. So is that how you guys be, were? It, you it, For sure. It, it can be cumbersome. We never used it as like a handheld quick thing. It was always a specialty where... You want to get it to shot get into tight in, places into the cabinet, you know, or yeah, yeah. inside the bookshelf, or especially a lot of car work. It helps with car work quite a bit. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it because it's also where you know there's a there's a there's definitely a language to the angle of the of the shots where we're in a in a Fincher-esque way. Uh, there's very little tilt on the show. It's it's very zero tilt. It's a zero tilt show. So where the, the, the dolly uh, grip is a de facto camera operator because if we need if I need to look down, you boom down to the place. Yeah, you, know, you boom up mm-hmm. to the place. In the same mode of using fewer lenses, it's it's taking the viewer and putting them there as opposed to just directing them. You know, 
uh, and, and you're, you're physically going to these places and to maintain kind of like rectilinear vanish, vanishing points um, and, and lines. Um, so the Rialto helps a lot when you can't shove a big camera and you still have to stay level. The Rialto, you know, is, is much smaller. So inside of a car, you can get up, you know, closer to the ceiling or, or whatnot, you know. It wasn't just replacement. It was just also keeping flexibility with given our, our, our visual language, um, which, you know, we added to a bit more. We added much more of a you know, kind of a specialty down tilt, 30 degree, you know, I still kept it somewhat mathematical. So if we weren't level, it'd be 15 degrees or 30 degrees or 45 degrees down in terms of tilt. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm rambling. Getting off. No, I want, I want to actually talk a little bit more about the camera motion in the series because um, I, I, I did sort of notice that there was some new angles, if you will. like, and I couldn't, you can't even really, you can pick, pick them out as you're watching it, but it's just a general feel that the, the angles are seeming more, I guess, angular for lack of a better word. They're more, there's, there's a rigidity in it, like even tighter than previous seasons. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, definitely carries on the legacy of the show from the beginning, which is, you know, again, zero tilt. And as you move, it, you know, the world is presented on a zero tilt. Um, but, you know, they've, every show has differences. And in, in, in episodes past, they, they've broke, you know, they've added and broken that rule or whatnot. And sure. one thing I think we did more this season as kind of a very steady motif was whenever there was an important character moment, we'd have a close-up. And it's like Ruth at the Malaysia Motel looking up at the sign before she goes to buy it. You can see that one shot. It's, you know, it's a 30 degree angle down with a, with a 35 millimeter lens closer to the subject with a diopter on it so that even more of the world falls away. And it's just, it just, you just feel like you, you're looking like the subject is in cellophane or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it's a very, very pretty angle. It's a very beautiful look, but it, it, it we kind of hit on that. And I said, let's keep doing this as a motif. And it, I think it it shows up in episodes quite often um, at, at pivotal moments uh, of character or like right before a fork in the road or, or whatnot. It was kind of meant to give a little bit of a visual marker that that, that is a little different than the, the show's language, but still within, still within the language, you know, that it's hopefully invisible. Um, but there's something there. And I, I love that psychological push pull of having the audience lulled into comfort of Oh, I, I know what this is. I've been here before many, many times for three years. But this is there's something different, not enough to be, you know, to take away from the script or the character, but to ac accent it. And only in those moments where you, you do something, we'll do it on a character introduction where it's a little unnerving. And, and you know, it's it's like you you kind of want to, the, 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 the it, it makes the, the viewer kind of want something. They don't know what it is. And they're just kind of antsy about it. And, and, it's easy. It's easier to do when there's such a strong look established that when you just change it a little bit, you know, sometimes it, it falls flat. But, you know, oftentimes it, it, it serves as a sense in, of that kind of unnervingness, because because by then, by this time, everyone's been pretty used to this world and these characters. And season three ended with just Deb blowing away, you know, um, uh the the lawyer Helen and, then, and we and then Helen and we start off and then we start off in the bathroom with them picking her brains out so there's and and it's like a, a shot across the bow things are gonna get not just more intense as you may think but it, things are gonna get complicated and and unnerving at times so how how do we 
help that in the visual language? How do we, you know, even even we, just a little bit with focus and, you know, even with framing where where it's this is the perfect frame. We all love it. Just just a bit and add this one little thing. And it's that a little bit of that Rosemary's Baby where you're where the viewer is like, well, oh, it should here. Yeah. And it's 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 not. It's not meant to be conscious at all, but just a little subconscious, little little tick, you know, just that, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about in the Rosemary's Baby? A hundred percent. Of course. And then everyone uses it, but to use that type of psychology in the slightest way, it's so difficult because you want, you want to go overboard and make, make people, you know, duck down on the train or whatever on the projection. Um, exactly. You don't, you don't need that on a show like this. The show does it for you and the audience does it for you, you know. And I think it was Alex Zakharov, and I didn't I didn't work with him on on his episodes, but you know, him and I would have discussions, and he would be we talk about he the way he talked about it's like you never give the audience everything, let them let them br- come to you halfway, and then you bring them something. Yeah. Halfway. And somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the messy messy middle is where that delicious you know deliciousness lies. You know? So and it, it is that. very true because the fans of the show are pretty sophisticated. I think I think they're. Maybe they're not all filmmakers, but they're they're they have they have good taste. <laughs> they have you know, they, they know that. what they like. We get a question from somebody on our Instagram and is a fan of the show, clearly. Um, Nadia on Instagram, thank you for your question. Um, the question is, how do you create the dark blue-green tint? And I know we talked a little bit about it earlier in the show, but uh, is there like a secret sauce? Is it mostly in post? Or are there it, things no. that you're doing on set practically? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's all... There's almost there's very very little. Uh, Tim Sippen is the the colors, and he's come up with a beautiful look over the years. But there's not a lot that we shift. You know, we'll we'll correct and and we'll mold and we'll we'll adjust. But there's no post filter that we just slap on and it turns into Ozark. It's it's all kind of baked in. So we do. You know, if you're if you're outside, we'll we'll shoot at you know lower color temps. Um, so that it, it looks a little cooler on, you know, on camera. And sometimes it's, you know, with, with a little bit of the lighting and, and, you know, even so far as, I mean, there, we didn't employ it a lot, but, but the guys have like light blue tinted rags that we're using as bounces and things like that, you know? So there's a lot there's that's done. Most of it is done and baked into the chip, into the film, you know, mm. for sure. And, and in post you, you, you said back, but it's, it's tricky because you can't just overlay one process and just make it cooler. As you bring it cooler, you got to add warmth in parts so that you, your eye can dis- discern the level of coolness. You know, you got to give those markers. So it's, it's not as simple as like, Oh, put the blue filter on or put the science. Yeah. Cause on. it still has it's, to look like people. Yeah. It has to look yeah. like skin and, and yeah. wood and gravel yeah. and, and grass and water. If you yeah. push too hard in the color, it starts to just become unrealistic. Well, you can't relate and to it. Yeah, and there's a difference in this season too. I think we did a little cooler outside, and then in the birdhouse went a little warmer too. So there's there's that color contrast as well, and and it kind of plays with and challenges what you've been used to on the show, but in very very subtle, again, hopefully, you know, barely perceptible ways. Um, and what was I going to say? Um, so, so you know, there'd be a scene where you you want to, in my mind, you know, a lot of that Ozark coolness comes from a menace or a threat, you know, to me. And when there's a character that's about to face this new menace or threat, 
but they're not sure. What I would do sometimes is make sure their their skin tones were still quote unquote normal and not have that you know cyan cast to it. So you have the scene in in a in a, a little cooler light, whether it's lighting or gels or whatnot, and you have the backgrounds cooler, but the but the subject is has a slightly warmer light, so that when when we print it down and when we print it to that Ozark look. They look neutral, and then the and then the, the background recedes into that coolness, you know, because it's in, in my you you have to have separation, you have to have color separation, you have to have some indicator, visual indicator that shows you how you know dark or cool you're getting, you know. Otherwise, your eyes will adjust, you know. And by the middle of the episode, it looks normal. <laughs> and I, I imagine it's it's exciting for you to also have the ability to have the Mexico scenes where you completely oh, yeah. just go the opposite yeah. end. You're in yeah. more of kind of the orange warm, yeah. warm world. That yeah. has got to be kind of fun yeah. just being able to it's, play in that world a little it bit. It is. And 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 there's there's that that this the difference between those two worlds, you know. It's awesome because on one hand you can just go real dumb and obvious and go, yeah, we'll just make them look totally different. But that's that's easy and that's lazy. It's like how do you make them different? by bringing them actually closer and closer and closer together as the season. What'd you grow, do? Which, so we, it's, it's the color, just playing with color temperatures, mostly in, in camera color temperatures. Cause, but we had multiple LUTs. So we, there's a show LUT, which we call blue crush. That's <laughs> darker and crushed and bluer than before. Um, and normally on a fourth season show, they don't, they're not bringing in DITs to, to set looks and whatnot, but they gave me so much support. I got to bring in my, my DIT, Ryan Nguyen, who just happened to be in between two Ridley Scott films and he was able to come to Ozark for three weeks. To, so he came, we, you know, he was there for a couple of weeks of prep so that me and we would, me and Ryan would be at company three, the, uh, the, the color suite, um, in Atlanta and doing tele remote with our colorist in LA and we would just work on different lots. We, 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 we load up what they had used in season three and say, what do we keep and what do we adjust a little bit? So then we kind of came up with an overall, you know, Ozark lot to it. And then we came up with a separate, you know, Mexico city lot and or Mexico lot uh, that, that were very different and true to, but there were different variances of it. You know, so that stage one, stage two, stage three. So towards, you know, in the beginning, I think there was more of a difference um, more of a definitive difference when you cut between the two scenes towards the end of the season, there's a little bit less of a difference, not just with color temperature, but we would, I would just introduce more cooler lights, you know, in, in certain areas in, uh, the cartel compound and then warmer lights in Ozark blues, cyan. So we have some tangerines and rust colors dotted a little bit more and more in there so that there is that, you know, that, that vortex in between of, of where these characters are, the struggles are in between this, you know, and, you know, not just visually, but, you know, thematically as well. But yeah. The still. last thing I want to talk to you about mm -hmm. is there's a particular scene in episode six. Now we ask all of our, we yeah. ask all of our guests, um, a little, a little peek behind the curtain. We ask, we always ask our guests, are there particular scenes you want to discuss? Are there moments, episodes, shots, anything just so that we can, you know, make sure yeah. it's not forgotten during the conversation. Yeah. And you had mentioned two scenes, one in episode 13. And I know that whole part of the series mm -hmm. isn't even out. So yeah. I don't, I don't want to get into that one, You're but right. I do want to talk about the scene in episode six that you right. wanted to mention. So just yeah. give us kind of bring us up to date with what this scene is and tell us what sure. is kind of interesting about it that you wanted to share. 
it's it's interesting because I, I wish I could say start with the other one. So I'll just kind of tease it. I'm not going to ruin it for people, but it's you know it's an episode. Well, if you can based, talk about the episode thirteen I'll, I'll, without doing yeah, spoilers, I will. I will. I mean, it's I, just I, not out. So yeah, episode thirteen is is really it's a penultimate episode, and it is really where everything cranks up. Everything is is, is setting up for the. And it is the beginning. I think the episode's called the beginning, but um, it, it's it's all about weather, and it starts raining. And it starts, and then this whole second half is pouring. So there's a sequence in it where a major event happens, and it's night, it's lightning, it's rain. That was insanely difficult to shoot. Very fun, you know. And so that's that's on one level. What the episode six, the reason why the episode six scene is a was so interesting to me is that it's the complete opposite of that. It's the scene where Ruth busts in and demands to know where she can find. Javi, the guy that killed, you, I would hope everyone's seen it by now. So it, but has killed. I, I think you know, it's safe yeah. to assume people okay. have seen yeah. the so, the series. Yeah, Darlene or at least this, and, this season. Right. Hopefully, it's the other But it, it, she, you know, he wants to find the killer of two people, very, very dear, especially her cousin Wyatt. And sorry, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't, how you're, gonna, you're trying not to I'm spoil it, but you're just so clearly spoiling. You better watch the goddamn series. Exactly. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just you know that that's a scene loaded for, you know, playing to Julia's absolute strengths, um, and she's in there trying to control, not going too far, not going too. Long. And I'm, all you're doing is, how do I continue the look and craft of the show, yet totally fucking back? Sorry for cursing, but totally back off and and allow her the room. But with this director Andrew Bernstein, he likes a little bit of coverage, so. How do I give everybody everything? So it was a challenge of this impossible task where you have to come up with this Herculean effort that will never get noticed, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, to me, I love moments like that, those kind of challenges. So the, the challenges were about not just lighting consistency and, and, and whatnot, it was just coverage and, and trying to guess where the, so it was, it's, 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 it's Julia, it's Laura, it's, Jason, three amazing actors that then they and they their dynamic changes as one moves and back and forth. And it's this fluid thing that we have. We have blocking. We have marks. I'm like, it's a dream. Sure. It's never going to land that way. And sure enough, it's different every time. But you cannot get hung up in the in the technical things because this is this is a major moment, first of all. But you have to give these actors room and, you know, JB will be one where he's he he's done this show so much and he knows and he's a director so he helps you out so he he notices that you know somebody's stacking in front of him he knows where the lens is and he will just take a little shift over you know just yeah. lean and I'm like thank you or he'll know that if he moves over here somebody will have to move with them and they'll get the light that they need and he's an amazing co-conspirator every every step of the way but and laura is one of the most accomplished and amazing actors of our generation you know and but you know laura um um julia's style is so different it's, it's just this raw tempest you know that comes in and, and so then you're like where is this all going to land so you just you're just trying to kind of preconceive the whole scene as it lays out and, and you need a lot of coverage because that scene needs to be cutty. You can't just rely on the, on the, on a, on a, on a traditional Ozark wonder and be like, all right, that's all, that's all we need. Um, yeah. So 
it was it was it was fun. It was fun that it was under we were under so much duress, and I think we had a lightning shutdown that day. We lost three hours, and we're like, we had six hours. Now we have two hours to do this. Oh. Everybody's freaking out, and I'm like, you know what? This is this is actually awesome because this is where an amazing scene is either made or we totally fail. <laughs> you know, there's really not, nothing mediocre is going to come from this. You know, like it's going to be horrible, and we'll have to reshoot it. Or I get fired, or it will be amazing, and it'll be amazing for all the right reasons, you know. And it's like you're just growing new matter out of out of the ether, and it, and and it's it's one of my favorite scenes. It's just explosive, it's visceral, and I'm proud of the way we we did it. But it was really just getting out of the way of the bull, you know. But but being that matador, it's it's you're directing, you're 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 you are you're you're directing the allowance, you know. You're, you're giving them runway, and it's I. I Sorry, I'm mixing like 18 different metaphors, but I lo- I'm but, here for it. But, it's, and, and but it since, is. Since you mentioned it in episode 13, which I haven't seen, nobody's mm-hmm. seen it. Um, uh, you did mention the challenges of shooting in rainstorms, and um, that's, that's more of a typical uh, thing, though. But it's like it's it was just it's math. Well, talk to us about. It. I mean, big. we don't get that opportunity to talk about yeah. this particular thing, and and um, you know, often on Go Creator mm-hmm. Show, so it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. You just mentioned it. Well, what were the so challenges with episode 13? Is is the challenges were you know, at the height, that's that's getting towards summer in Atlanta, and the at the every, the conditions are changing left and right. And sometimes it's just perfect; it looks stormy. But to get this consistency, and we shoot everything out of order, so you're shooting that whole episode out of order, and you're trying to. It's it's so important that you get the lead up right because the first half of the episode, everyone's talking about this storm coming. And it's like, yeah, it's the ending of the show storm, but it's a physical storm that's coming that has a, a lot to do with what how the narrative plays out. And then towards the end, it hits. And so how do you – it's not just on and off. You, 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 you're kind of prepping the audience for it. You're doing sound cues as opposed to you know, visual cues here and there. And, you, and you're, you know, you're, you're slowly crafting it up. That's fine when you're working with almost everything outside of water and night. And you're, when you, but when you're water at night, you're, it's really hard to, to kind of subtly, you know, step that up, you know, in, in, in scale, you know. So there was, you know, there's the kind of typical challenges, but we had just these massive, you know, city cranes with hundred foot, you know, multiple branched, you know, uh, rain towers, rain rigs, you know, and you just, Again, saturating entire areas. And I, I, I'm normally producers would go, well, we only see this one part, so can we use a smaller rig? And do that? You know, and and this show is so uncompromising and such an amazing filmmaker show that I was like, can we? We're just going to put rain everywhere, mm. <laughs> and, it, and 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 feel the, the 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 limitations that that characters have because of the storm and rain, and that we have, you know, and it's. No, not that not that every filmmaking moment has to be that goddamn visceral, but like I like that. I like being painted in a corner that of our own design and we have to work on it because you get what you ask for and you have all this water and you're like, oh my god, I can't focus on it. The, the, the light's not working right or whatever. And it's that large scale type of filmmaking that really kind of challenges you because you, you can get wrapped up in it in technical terms, but what's great about this crew and my interaction with them we tended to focus down. We're like, as the bigger and bigger things get, you you say, "What is this for? What emotional moment is this for? Why are we doing that?" And it's it's amazing to do that on a television show. You know, it's 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 not often that you get 
that depth of visual, you know, texture outside of like a, a, a big movie, you know, or, or something. It's, it's, I love it. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, you have been a real joy to talk to. It's, it, it's it was a lot so, of it's fun. Been fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, I would love to have you back. And I mean, when yeah. is the next part of, when's the next, um, I think part of not, not long. Out? I think it's going to be a couple months. It's not, it's not a big, thing. Oh, so I all think right. it, I'm not sure, but I think it's a, it's around a few months. Two, three months. Oh my God. I I mean, we ate up all our time talking about Ozark, which is fine. I mean, that's why you're here, but I mean, you're, you're, check out his IMDb. Your music video uh, collection is just, it's like you have worked on some of the greatest music videos. Just that in and of itself would be an amazing content. I love, I love, I love coming out of that. And I love working with people that come out. And a lot of the Ozark crew came out of the music video world, you know, and, and we understand like, Back doing videos back in the '90s and early 2000s, you have all this money for nothing, you know, and you waste just so much money. But then also you go you go from a, a video like that to go to a ten thousand dollar video where you have to make everything out of nothing. And I love guys, you know, I love people, I love crew and collaborators that come from that 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 vibe. It's just it's this kind of punk rock aesthetic with you know buttoned up tweed you know suit. So. <laughs> I love that. Well, the show is Ozark season four, episode one through seven is out now. And then part two sounds like it's just around the corner. So um, check it out. Please let us, yeah, let us know what you think of this episode. If you have additional questions for Sean, send them our way on Go Creative Show. And of course your Instagram, people can find you there and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. getting taken over Um, by my my puppy, but yeah. Well, you know, that happens when you get a new puppy. (laughs) That's just, it's the way it is. Yeah. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me. This was awesome. This was so fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you had a good time. You're a blast yeah. to, to chat with, and we will definitely have you back. So thank you so much for being Great. on. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Sean Kim, director of photography of Ozark season four, the final season of Ozark. So please check it out if you haven't already and let us know what you think of the episode. Uh, You you can let us know on any of our social media profiles and of course our website as well, gocreativeshow.com. I want to thank our sponsor today, Filmmakers Academy, master your craft at Filmmakers Academy. If you head over to gocreativeshow.com forward slash uh, Filmmakers Academy, you can get 10% off with promo code GOCREATIVE10. GOCREATIVE10 for 10% off over at Filmmakers Academy. I also want to thank Connor Crosby, our producer. You can find him at ignitionvisuals.com. And of course, Dave Siegel from SiegelSound.com. He mixes and masters and makes the show sound so good. Of course, follow us on your favorite podcast app, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at Ben Consoli, B-E-N-C-O-N-S-O-L-I. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next time on another episode of the Go Creative Show, podcast for filmmakers. <laughs>